has more for you than where you are even today in this walk of faith with him. It doesn't matter what you have accomplished and seen and have victory over. It doesn't matter where you have failed and are still walking in some defeat. God has more for you and me. He has more out in front of us. And the enemy does not want you to believe that. He wants you to think that you have failed too greatly, will never measure up, and could never walk in God's promises. We are here by the power of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit to say, he is a liar. Amen? Amen. We're going to walk in his promises because he has told us that if we have been given these exceedingly great and precious promises, we can claim them and walk in them in Jesus' name. Hence the series, Give Me That Mountain. You know, we started with this series, a project for our facilities in restoring the path of this church's past. This church founded here, 1800s, a purpose and a destiny that God put on this property. And over the years, it has walked in some victories and it's walked in some defeat. And today we are claiming some promises that God is restoring the path for this church. And we have watched over the past eight years as he has begun that restoration. And we've begun that also in our facilities here. So we presented to you a need for phase one sometime back of uh, $125,000. Last week we started the giving and here's what was given. $64,064. And we celebrated that. Amen. Amen. But this week, God has been faithful to provide more. And here's where we are right now. And for today's total, 84385 So, amen. We're celebrating all of that. We believe that is just a small picture of the greater things that God is restoring here at Vertical. It's not just in brick and mortar. It's in the lives of people right here in this room and in our second service. Those are the real stories of people's lives being changed. Hearts of stone being turned into hearts of flesh. Uh, marriages being reconciled and restored. Homes being completely transformed. Children being brought to the Lord. Young people crying out to walk in God's ways. It is all happening right here. We are watching God fulfill his promise that if we will lift Jesus up, he will draw all men to himself. Amen? It's happening right here in our church. And so God is looking for those who will believe those promises, who will say, God, I am committed to your word and your ways. You are my priority. You are my Lord. And I will walk in your ways in spite of what the world might, might say, in spite of what circumstances might indicate, I'm going to hold to your promises no matter what. And God, I'm believing them to such a degree that I'm going to say, give me that mountain. Give me those promises. Give me that restoration in my family that you've promised. Give me that healing that you've promised. Give me that blessing that you promised to me in Jesus Christ. Give me that reconciliation. Give me that victory. Give me that mountain. Give me my children's hearts. Give me my family members brought to you, Lord. Give me that mountain. This is where we stand as followers of Jesus Christ. And it's important that we come to that spot where you know what your mountain is. What is it you are believing that God has given you as a promise? That you're saying, God, I want that mountain for my family. I want that mountain for me. Because if you don't know the promise, then you can't claim the promise. You can't obtain what you can't claim. So today, 
our message is called Claim Your Mountain. We've been following Caleb and the children of Israel on a journey out of Egypt to a promised land. And we have watched as they came up to the edge of that promised land. And as they came to the edge of it, they sent spies into the land. Twelve men went in to see this land that God had given to his people, the place it was their destiny to be, their legal, rightful land in God's promises for them to have. But the spies went in and they came back out and 10 of those 12 said, we have seen, it is as God said, but there are also giants in the land and they are too big for us. We are no match for them. So we are grasshoppers in their sight and we cannot go in. Caleb and Joshua believe God's promises and say, we are ready to go in. But because the nation believed the 10, God told them, you will spend the next 40 years wandering and not entering into the promises. They didn't stop being God's people, but they weren't able to enter into all that God had for them because they wouldn't believe and they wouldn't obey. What a sad place for 40 years, an entire generation to miss out on living in all God had legally obtained for them, that he had given to them. So today we're into the story and we fast forward 40 plus years to the end of all of that time frame to the end of all the wandering and all the struggling and all of the loss and all of the pain and all of the grief, we fast forward at the end of that and we're gonna see what happens as Caleb once again stands on the edge of a new day. So if you have your Bible, turn to Joshua 14. I'm gonna start in verse seven today and we'll move forward here. Here's what we learn. Caleb says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. He said, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Caleb said, I did what God told me to do through Moses. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. It's fascinating, the power of words and the power of a negative word to cause people's hearts to melt to just wither away in defeat. That's why it's so important that you don't agree with the negative reports that come your way. It'll make your heart melt. It's so important that you believe God's truth up against the lies. Because when you believe and agree with God's truth, it'll strengthen your heart. But if you make an agreement with the lies and the deceptions of the enemy, your heart will melt. And that's what's happening in our day. A generation's heart is melting. They are withering away in anxiety and depression and confusion because they refuse to believe God's promises. Caleb said, but I wholly, completely followed the Lord my God. I believed the promises and I walked in them. I believed him. And Caleb says this, so Moses swore on that day saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever. Now get the time frame here. This is 40 years back. And Caleb says, I remember that day. I came out and I told him what I saw. And Moses said to me on that day, 
just as where you walked, you saw those promises, they will be yours and your children's forever. Now, for the next 40 plus years, Caleb would have to believe that promise up against the circumstances. Because for 40 years, he would have to wait and see that the people were not entering into all the promises. And so Caleb believed those promises. He knew there was a specific land inside the promised land that had his tribe's name on it. You see, the scripture says that there were, within the promised land, the geographic space, there was a parcel of land for each tribe. Judah was the tribe that Caleb was from, and there was a section of land that was theirs, that God had given to them. And so Caleb knew where he had walked is where he would have a promise. It was there where he walked that he saw the clusters of grapes that were so large they had to be carried on the shoulders of two men between them. It was there they saw the land that was flowing with milk and honey. It was there that he had seen the giants, but it was there that he believed God's promises and said, man, this place that I'm walking right now, this place that I'm walking is where God will give me this space. I will stand in this space one day. He didn't know at the time he'd have to wait some 40 plus years. But this has a powerful message for us today. And here is what we must know as we walk through this truth today. Number one, God has a mountain waiting with your name written on it. Just as Caleb had a mountain that had his, his name on it. Hope you brought your markers today your pens and your pad. If not, there might be some pens and paper right there in that chair in front of you. You're going to want to draw this out today. So just as there was a, a mountain for Caleb, one that he had walked on, one that he had seen the beauty of and the glory of, he knew this was a promise that was legally his and legally for the tribe that he belonged to. In the same way, you and I have been giving exceedingly great and precious promises in Jesus Christ, and they are legally and rightfully ours. doesn't matter what the world might say, what the enemy might threaten, or what you might even feel in the moment. The promises are yours and mine, legally obtained by Jesus Christ, given to you because of your faith. They belong to you. Amen? And so because of that, we have passages in the New Testament that remind us of this. Ephesians 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. There is no spiritual blessing that doesn't have your name on it. Forgiveness, redemption, peace, no condemnation, acceptance, wholeness, healing. They are all yours with your name on them waiting for us in heavenly places. Now, I don't just mean in heaven someday. I'm talking about in the heavenlies today. I don't have to wait until heaven to find out whether I really am forgiven of all my sins. There are some people who believe that way 
and they live with their hearts melting their entire life because they don't ever know if they're saved or not, if their sins are forgiven or not. In Jesus Christ, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness once. It's done. That promise is yours and mine. I don't have to wonder, fear, be threatened, be accused. They are mine already in Jesus Christ. All those spiritual blessings are ours. Now, they've got your name on it, but you're not possessing it until you put your claim on it. Hello? You can have knowledge that there's peace with God, but until you lean into the fact that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ and you receive that and claim that, it just waits out there in the future somewhere for you. But you and I are invited to claim those promises in Jesus Christ as ours. Whether it be, again, restoration in your own life, reconciliation in your own life, provision for your life, healing for your life. Those and so many more are ours in Jesus Christ with legal right given to us. Second Peter 1 4 says this, that these exceedingly great and precious promises have been given to us, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You and I have been given these promises. Now here's the deal. Just like Caleb, these promises come to us first with just a taste. Caleb walked into the land and saw all that was his, and then he had to leave the land because no one else believed him. And sometimes the way it happens, in fact, often the way it happens is this. God will show you what he has next for you, and then you're going to have to trust him completely with your life for that reality to come to pass in your life. You hear me? So here's what it looks like. God will give you a vision and a taste of the land before he gives you the land. This is the way it works. You and I have a taste of, the, of heaven here on earth now. We have the taste of closeness with God, fellowship with God, intimacy with him, joy in him, worship in him. That's just a taste of what heaven will be like. And he will bring promises into your life that will be a taste of something more that he's going to do. For example, you might be sitting here today and you say, man, I've got some relationships in my family that are broken and tense right now. I have a family member who has turned far, hard away from the Lord and is believing some lies and deceptions. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to seek the Lord and he's going to give you a promise and a picture and a vision of that person, that family member restored to the Lord and restored in your family. This is the way it happens. And then you're going to go home. Let's say that happened today. You're going to go home and you're going to wait for a phone call and say, all right, let's see when it's going to happen. And it won't right away. Sometimes it won't happen for weeks, months, years, decades. Maybe not like Caleb who waits 40 plus years, but God is always faithful. He will always give you a taste and a picture before the reality comes to pass. 
think, well, that's not very nice. This is God's design. It's not because he's cruel. It's not because he's mean. It's because he wants us to trust him by faith. He'll give us a picture of what will be so that we'll trust him in how it's to come to be. Because if not, you and I would try to make it all happen on our own strength and on our own terms and our own way. He says, I'm gonna show you how, I'm gonna show you that it's going to be done and then I want you to trust me in how it's gonna be done. I can't tell you how many times that has happened in my life. I get a picture, a vision, a word, a promise from God and it rarely ever happens in the way that I thought it was going to happen. And it didn't happen the way Caleb thought it was going to happen. Here's what the story says. Caleb says this in verse 10. It says, And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive as he said these 45 years. Let's just pause for just a minute. 45 years. Can you imagine holding on to a promise 45 years? You're just waiting and you're believing and you're praying and you're trusting and things are going south and things are not working out and things seem to be getting worse and people are turning away and people are dying and the nation's getting worse and you just keep trusting God. You just keep trusting God. 45 years. Do you know how long ago 45 years was? 45 years ago was 1978. 1978, Reese's Pieces were introduced in 1978. The little Lego characters that so many children know today, they came out in 1978. In 1978, I moved from Oak Cliff to Ovilla 45 years ago. That's a long time. And we see here the power of Caleb's faith to trust God in spite of what was going on around him. He didn't give up. He didn't let up. He didn't say, well, 45 years have passed. I guess God didn't mean for it to happen. I guess God isn't going to let it happen. No, he held to the promise because God always keeps his promises even when it's not in our time frame. Caleb goes on, he says, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, here I am this day, 85 years old, and yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. He says, I'm as strong today as I was 45 years ago. I'm not weaker I'm not less passionate. I'm not less engaged. I'm not less involved. I'm just as determined. I'm just as believing God's promises as I was then. Is the same for me now. He says, just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, for both going out and for coming in. He didn't say, I'm 85. I am hope I get wheeled up in that place with a chair somehow with a comforter with me so I can barely squeak into that place. He said, no, I believed it then. I believe it now. I'm going in. I'm just as strong as I was then. I'm just as determined as I was then because God is the same today as he was then. The taste of the mountain should always deepen your faith and fuel your fight. 
what you tasted is meant to move you forward. It should never cause you to be moved backwards. It should never cause you to say, well, I guess it's not going to happen. It should never cause you to say, well, I guess I just miss God on the thing. No, the fact that you tasted a promise, the fact that he walked in the land, the fact that he tasted the fruit, the fact that he had seen what God had promised became even more of the evidence that he needed to keep his faith. And that's what it did. It kept Caleb in the moment. It kept him patient over the years. It kept him from becoming complacent. It kept him from becoming resentful. It kept him from becoming bitter. It kept him from doubting. It kept him from depression. It kept him from anxiety. It kept him from being disillusioned because he says, I've tasted it, therefore I know it is. And because God told me, I'll hold to it. The delay should never decrease your passion, it should only increase your fire. As a result, verse 12, it says that Caleb, 45 years later, said this, now therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. My time has come. The promise is sure. God is here. I have seen where we would live. I have seen where we're going to raise our children. I have seen what the inheritance looks like. I have seen what is for us. I have seen what's for our families. I have seen what's for me. Now, God, give me that mountain. Don't you want to have that kind of faith? Don't you want to have that kind of confidence? That you believe in God for promises that he has made? And you hold to him regardless? Man, this is the day for that. This is the day to hold to those promises. This is the day to not be rocked by what's happening in the world, but just anchored down even tighter believing what God has said. This is the day for that to happen, to not compromise. This is the day to claim every right that is ours in Jesus Christ, just as Caleb did. He was simply claiming what God had given him already as his right. Which reminds us, it is your right in Christ to name and claim your mountain. Now, I get it. If you grew up through the 80s like me, you heard a lot of name and claim stuff. And it probably soured you just a little bit because you saw abuses and excesses. And you saw people naming and claiming stuff that was more for their personal benefit. I'm not talking about stuff that's for our comfort. I'm talking about stuff that's based on our convictions in Jesus Christ, our promises. And it's our right to stand in those. It's our right to claim those. Did you know that when you came to Jesus Christ and put your faith in him, you, in that moment, received the fullness of grace? And that grace doesn't just look the other way when you sin. Let me show you how powerful God's grace is. God's grace at its core definition 
is God's favor. I'm talking about his looking on you, smiling on you, delighting in you favor. That is grace. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it, but you received it in Jesus Christ. Amen? Hey, if I don't have this, then this thing we call gospel is not good news. If I don't have this, then I have no hope in this life. If I don't have this, then I don't have redemption. If I don't have this, I've got no forgiveness, I've got no love, I've got no life in me. But in Jesus Christ, I am promised God's favor. You say, how do you know that? Let me just read you some promises. Colossians 1, 13, 14. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. I am forgiven and redeemed and I have his love right now in its fullness and entirety. That's what you and I have in Jesus Christ. Your name is written on that mountain. It's for you to claim. Come on now. I'm sensing that the giants have been whispering some lies. That you're struggling with believing this right here. That you're thinking somehow you only get this when you're obeying right. Come on now. I don't have this because of my performance. I have it because of what Jesus Christ has performed for me at the cross and in his resurrection. And I may not feel this way all the time, but I don't lean on my feelings. I might have people in the world tell me that I don't have this. I don't care what the world says to me about what I have in Jesus Christ. This is what the Bible says I have in Jesus Christ, and I trust his word over everything else. I have promises like these that if I trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding, in all my ways acknowledge him, he will direct my path. So many times we get caught in the trap and I have done this. God, what is your will? God, what is your will? If I just knew what your will was, if you could only show me your will, I just wonder what your will is. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will show you his will. He's given it to us in his word already. Do that first and all the rest will become pretty obvious. Promises. Promises like Proverbs 3 9. If you honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. That's favor. That's blessing. That all comes in Jesus Christ. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. But it's a promise that comes from God. There's God's favor. There is blessing that comes in Jesus Christ. Every spiritual blessing has been given to you and me already. So I don't feel like that. There you go again, leaning back on your feelings. So I don't know all of them yet. Well, get to knowing them. They're yours. They have your name written on them. But you can't, you can't have them if you can't claim them. You have to walk up into that land and claim them as your own. Promises like Joel 2.25 he will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. I don't care what you've been through, what you've experienced, what demise has come in your life, 
what things you might have even caused in Jesus Christ, he has promised he will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. He's also promised in Isaiah 54, 17, that no weapon formed against you will prosper. It doesn't matter what the world throws at you. It doesn't matter what others might say. It doesn't matter what some might threaten and some might accuse. These are all ours in Jesus Christ, just as real as the land was to Caleb. Just as sure as Caleb has, those mountains had Caleb's name on it, the promises in Jesus Christ have our name on them. Jesus said, whatever things you ask when you pray, Believe that you receive them and you will have them. That's a promise from Jesus' own mouth. Promises, blessings, favor, ours in Jesus Christ. I'm talking about things like full forgiveness. I'm talking about I don't have to live in guilt and shame anymore. I'm talking about I don't have to live under the weight of believing that I am somehow still a sinner trying to do some righteous things. If you're in Jesus Christ, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. You are not a sinner in Jesus Christ trying to do righteous things. If you are truly in Jesus Christ, you are a righteous saint living to obey God. That is a promise. Let that transform you. Stop thinking you're working from a place of defeat. You're working from a place of victory. You're more than conqueror. Yes? Caleb and Joshua were two of 12 that believed these promises. I get it. Popular churchianity today doesn't always teach this gospel. Contemporary churchianity today will bring you into a, an experience like this and try to guilt you and shame you and push you into better obedience this next week because you hadn't done enough. That is a lie from the giants of the land. The truth from God is you have been redeemed and set free in Jesus Christ. No one can snatch you out of his hand. There is now no condemnation for you in Jesus Christ. Now, in that truth, walk in obedience, walk in freedom, walk in love. That sets the captives free. Now, anytime you choose to start believing promises like that, you're going to run into some resistance along the way. Caleb did, people today who decide to start following Jesus and walk in his ways, they start running into resistance as well on the journey, on the path. They've gotten a taste of the beauty and the presence and the power and the promises of God, and they're on a journey to that, and boy, the enemy does not like it. The enemy will come after you with doubts. The enemy will come after you with pressure. And the enemy came after Caleb in his day. Here's what it says in verse 12. Caleb said, For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there, and that the cities were great and fortified. Caleb said, I was in that promised land. I went up in there. 
I entered in and I tasted all that was mine, but man, there were giants in the land as well. There were those who didn't want me in there. There were those who tried to keep us from being in there. There were those who were opposed to God and his ways. And the last thing they wanted was for me to believe the promises of God. And Caleb at 85 said, it may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Caleb said, I don't want to go into the land just so I can kick back and relax in there. I'm not going in for easy chair promises. I'm going in because I'm going to war when I get in there. I got some giants in the land that need to go. I got some land that needs to be claimed. I got my children and my grandchildren and future generations. And I'm coming in to believe some promises for me, them, 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 them. Because God has given me that promise. And Caleb held to all of that. You must slay the giants who stand in the way of God's mountain for you. It's important we know this truth. You must slay them. You should never let them keep you from this. And man, they are giants today. They are giants, as we talked about last week in the message, who will intimidate you, threaten you, fill you with fear, fill you with shame, mock you, and keep you from entering into all of these promises. They will say things to you like, you don't deserve that. There are other people far more deserving of those things than you. You're just being ungrateful for what you already have. You really shouldn't be looking at all those other promises. You're just being selfish. You are just, you should just be content with what little space of ground you've got right now. Your motives are all wrong. If God wanted you to have it, you'd already have it. It ought to be enough that you have heaven one day. Don't get so caught up in these promises for this day. Those are the deceiving, deceitful lies of giants in our land today. And I'm sorry to say, they have crept into the church. And if you're not careful to discern the voices and look at God's word and his promises, you'll fall for those same giants. You will spend your days and years wandering instead of entering. You'll spend your days confused instead of filled with confidence. You'll spend your days uncertain instead of filled with certainty about what God has called you to and walking in that. We talked last week about those giants. And if you want to get down the road and enter into the land that God has for you, then along the way, you need to create a little cemetery. You need to do a little work. You need to make sure that some things get left behind here. You need to make sure that these serve as forever markers on the path. What are these tombstones? 
They're the voices we talked about last week. They are the, the giants of shame. They are the giants of mockery. And they are the, what was the other one? Despair, thank you. Of despair. Who want to keep you from entering into all of what God has for you. And if you don't create a cemetery with them buried in it, if you don't do the work of slaying them, you'll never get down this road up into the promises of God. In Jesus Christ, you have been given the authority to slay those giants. To not listen to them, but instead to slay them. To bring them to an end. And if you've done that for you, then pick up your shield and pick up your, your sword and start slaying them for some other people. Start slaying them for your kids. Start slaying them for your family. Start slaying them for other church members. Start slaying them for your neighbor so that they can experience the fullness of what is ours in Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm tired of walking in just empty, plastic churchianity in this day. It's time for us to move into and with confidence into what God has promised. It's not time to be afraid to be the church anymore. It's not time to be afraid of gathering anymore. It's the day to assemble with confidence and boldness that the gates of hell will not prevail against us and we have a message to proclaim. We've got a future to redeem. We've got a message that says you can be free from your sin and shame and we have a way that God has established for us to live. Come walk in it with us. Amen. This is what we are here to proclaim. Now, I want to silence the giants with one final nail here. When Caleb said, give me that mountain, he didn't just say, give me any mountain. I'll be fine with a, a little ant mound. I'll be fine with a piece of pasture land. No, Caleb had seen a promise walked in a promise, had a vision for a promise, and he wanted that promise. I want that mountain. It's a specific mountain. What mountain was that? What's fascinating, it was a mountain we know of in the Old Testament, later the New, as Hebron. Doesn't mean a whole lot to us except we know it's within the promised land. There's some stories in the Old Testament of Abraham and Hebron. There's some later stories of Hebron. But Hebron is significant in this story and for us today, I believe. The name Hebron in Hebrew means that which is joined. What in the world does that mean for us today? That which is joined. You see, all of this was inside the promised land. All of this is also in Jesus Christ and more. So this is all 
belonging to Jesus. This is all his. But he says by faith, you and I can enter into him. I know we talk about asking Jesus into our hearts, but here's the deal. When you confess your sins and are born again, you become one with the Lord. It's the power of, and the picture of a marriage when two become one, to no longer be separated. So the New Testament says things to us like 1 Corinthians 6, 17. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. He didn't come to take up residence in you like your Motel 6 and he might check out next week. He came in and became one spirit with you. That means you were made alive and he came in and there's not you and him. There is you in him. Take this in. You in him, him in you. The core of who you are has been made new. You can't undo it. You can't stop it. You can't break it. No man can put it asunder because you have been made one in him. One spirit with him in essence. Within you today, is not, as I've heard some describe it, a good dog and a bad dog. And whichever one you feed wins the day. Cool story, bro. Wrong story, bro. There is one within me, and it is the new me who has been raised by Jesus Christ. And this new me, it wants to do righteous things. Hello? Well, what is that old part of me then that still doesn't want to do righteous things? That is your old pattern. But that is not you. Paul says, that is sin that dwells within me. But that is not me. I am a new person in Jesus Christ. It's not me and another me. It's me. And now I seek to live out who I have been made as a new man in Jesus Christ. Amen? Now that we got that. 2 Corinthians 1.20 All the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us. Whatever is true of Jesus, whatever Jesus has, whatever blessings he has and has obtained and has always had from eternity, now is joined to us. What God has joined at Hebron, let no man put asunder because I have been made the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ because of Jesus Christ. Are you with me this morning? Come on now. You and I have received all the promises. This is what we have been given. 
You have these promises and they have your name on them. And it's time for the church to start standing up into those promises. It's time for the church to shut down the lies that say, I can't have those. Maybe one day I will. Maybe one day when I'm doing better. Those are lies from the enemy. Shut them down. As a new believer in Jesus Christ, now you are seated with him in heavenly places. When the Father sees the Son and is filled with love and affection and desire and favor for him, he also looks at you and me and he looks at us with that same delight and favor. And you say, that's just so awkward to take in. Yes. Let it awkwardly sit in your soul. Because that is what transforms us. This is what makes us new. You've been born again. Not by your own works. But by the blood of Jesus Christ at work on your behalf. Amen. This is what makes us new. Hebron that which is joined. All of the promises of Jesus joined to me and you. Let us be those who stand in those. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, today we pray against every deceiving, lying spirit that would seek to keep us from standing in the full confidence of who we are in you, that would keep us stuck in our shame, stuck in our guilt, stuck in our own condemnation and rejection because those voices don't want us to enter into the promised land. They don't want us to stand in faith. They don't want us to know how deeply we are loved. They don't want us to know how fully we've been redeemed. They don't want us to stand up with bold faith. So Father, we stand against all of those today and we claim that we have been bought and redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We stand in those promises. We claim those promises, every one of them. And so for each of us now, Father, as we go from here today, I know there are specific promises that are be that'll be necessary for each one of us. Giants in our own land, struggles in our own family. But God, your promises are greater than the problems. We claim those today. We stand in them today and we'll never go back again to listen to those giants. We put them to death and we view you as our only Lord and Savior. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.